Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Well, welcome back, everyone. Episode two of this mini-series that we're doing in correlation with our series that we have going out, Lifeosophy. We have Pastor Josh back in the house. Uh, with episode two. Now we talked about last episode, we just talked about the philosophy of life yeah. and how it correlated even with the Bible, but then even asked the simple questions of, hey, got deep into stoicism. We and, did. We, but it was great. I yeah. got a history lesson on all that. The spark yeah. notes is what I said. Hope so. Uh, <laughs> I think it was. Uh, but now we asked some simple questions of, for you guys to be able to take home of just, Hey, uh, what, what's something that the way that you kind of think, and is it, is the way that you're thinking about those things going to help you get further in life. Well, today we wanted to kind of unpack a little bit more of uh, what the Stoics called virtues, yeah. but what we call here core values. And I'm going to be honest, the first time I ever heard about core values, I even here at the church, it was like, oh man, every business has a core values. That's what the, the business and corporations and all those, they're the only ones that need to have core values. And then I heard about your dad talking about family core values. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Families can actually have core values. Yeah. What is all of that about? And then you talked I, about it last week of the, the or yeah. not last, last episode, the Stoics and the I, virtues. I really like the, like the idea of core values, but <laughs> Pastor Keith will probably get mad at me, but like the term core values is so boring. It's like, if you say core values, it's like, I'm going to turn my brain off now yeah. because this well, yes. doesn't apply to me. It's like core values is like using the term synergy. Like oh, business synergy, core values. Here we go. Growth, Let's development. <laughs> What's it off of? I don't know. It's like just <laughs> synergy. I remember it sounds like, like a, we're making a corporate training video. Yes, you right? say fancy anyway. words like that. Core yeah, values. if you like corporate training videos, that's amazing. I hey, celebrate that you have love Pastor that. Pastor Josh come speak because he goes core values and synergy, synergy, <laughs> oh, goals, <laughs> achievement. Like just, just, just you all know, these like a words. word map just on the wall, just, you know, core values is up there somewhere. Teamwork. But, yeah. Um, well, yeah, for me growing up, we, we talked a lot in our family about our core values yeah. and, uh, philosophers, the Stoics, they use the term virtues, um, whichever one you prefer, really, uh, it's really important. It's like, like in life. So, um, here's an interesting thought, like things that we, um, <laughs> Things that we like uh, are a lot of times actually not good for us. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I really like fried chicken. Yes. Okay. I feel like that's a good thing. But fried chicken is bad for you, technically, mm. from a health perspective. Yeah. It's really great for my emotional state, but it's bad for me physically. So there's things in life that we can like tend to go towards yeah. that are actually not super healthy for us. Right, we can do that physically with food. Food's a really great example. Yeah. Or like even uh, physically in terms of, like, maybe there are people that are psychotic a little bit and they love working out. Yeah. Okay. And I love that there's people that love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that guy. I'm yeah. the guy every day for me. Working out is hard because my preference is a sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. Right. Now, Chill, easy going. <laughs> that's what I like. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's good for me. Yeah. So a lot of times in life, we can think to ourselves, if I like something or if I want something, then I should just go pursue that because that's also good for me. Mm -hmm. But with food or with our physical bodies or other things, like even emotionally, think about friendships. Like, you know, we've heard a lot in our life. Uh, be careful who your friends are. Well, yeah. some people that we like are bad friends for us. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. Yeah. So it's like this interesting concept about life that, we can like things that are bad for us. And on the other, like on the other hand, things that we feel like are bad for us that we, or things that we don't like can actually be good for us. Like mm. exercise is one of those things. Like who likes doing cardio? Nobody. No, I mean, not really. No. Uh, who likes picking up a heavy weight? I mean, not anybody. No, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Who likes eating salad? Part. Nobody. I mean, people that like eating salad, they like the results of eating salad more than the actual salad that's, themselves. Yes, that's me. Yeah. Who likes only drinking water? Yeah. I mean, not really anybody. It's I like, so bland. I like all the different variations of flavored water. <laughs> yes. Like Coke. It's got water in there. It's in there. That's how it's liquid. Yeah. Uh, Kool-Aid, Sprite, 
That's clear. It's basically water, right? <laughs> if it wasn't basically water, it wouldn't be clear. So we have things in life that it's, it's just always been an interesting thought to me. We have, we have things in life that feel good to us, but are bad for us. Yeah. And we have things in life that feel bad to us, but are actually good for us. Like exercise can feel bad. Like our heart rate gets up. It makes us tired. Yeah. We're sweating. I mean, two days the, later you have the most, you feel so sore. You, you have leg day, over. your legs just hurt. All of that. Turn into Bambi legs. I understand. <laughs> Bambi yeah. legs. Can't walk. <laughs> right? So we live. We can live life where things that are painful, we just avoid everything that's painful. Yeah. And things that aren't painful, that's what we kind of tend to go do. And um, we want more than that, though, because we want to live lives that are meaningful. Mm. We want to be successful. On yeah. some, hopefully, I mean, most people don't go through life and go, "Man, I really hope I fail my way to death." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like can't wait to, to live yeah. and just fail some more until the day I die. Yeah, and uh, whatever. We'll like, see how it works out. <laughs> most people want to find a way to, you know, make as much money as possible, provide as comfortable life for themselves as possible, set their kids up, build a legacy, yeah. achieve their destiny, whatever that looks like. And um, how can we know that we're doing that? If we also as human beings have this weird thing where that's bad because it feels bad, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And that's good because it feels good. So I'm going to do that. But what can sometimes be bad is good for us. Mm. And what can sometimes feel good is, can, uh, is bad, bad for us, right? Yeah. And um, so that's why, that's the reason why core values slash virtues are so important. Mm. Because if we base things, like if you're a feeler and you're listening to this, if you base things on how you feel, uh, you're hit or miss, Right? Yeah. It's like I'm hit or miss on whether or not I'm going to make some good decisions. Time, yeah. Like six, I'm right time. 60% of the time every time. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're a person, maybe you're not a feeler and you're, and you're listening to this, but if you make a decision based on the perceived goodness or badness or some, of something. Yeah. So, like us deciding to do things that make us popular or that give us influence, that's not like, oh, I feel this way. That's just like, well, I want this certain goal. And so if you decide, like if we make a decision, like I'm going to do all these things that are, that are going to make me popular yeah. and make me well-liked, well, all of us know you end up sacrificing character and morality and you know, a lot of different things in order to be liked, mm -hmm. in order to be popular. You end up sacrificing your own identity wow. because your, your purpose or your, like the thing you're pushing for becomes the thing that you value the most. Yeah. So really simple explanation for like what a core value is or what a virtue is. Um, a core value or a virtue is something that you want in your life. Yeah. So if I say to myself, I really want to be comfortable, mm. comfort is a core value for me. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now that's maybe not necessarily a good one, yeah. <laughs> but it's still a core value. Everybody makes everybody lives by core values, whether they realize it or not, because everybody makes decisions every day. Mm. And we talked about this last week, but the decisions that we make prove what our philosophy of life is and our philosophy of life should be rooted in core values. So yeah. if I make a decision based on popularity or based on influence, then influence is a core value for me. It's important. Yeah. It's important enough for me to have this or experience this so I'm going to make every decision that I can in service to this thing or this idea yeah. that I, that I want to achieve. And, um, so in life, that's ultimately what we do. So whether you say influence or you say comfortability, another one that's most people's, uh, by default is happiness. Yeah. So people go ahead. I just want to be happy. Yeah. So they divorce somebody or they leave all their, they leave people like they, you know, they blow up friendships because that friend doesn't make them happy. Right. Um, they quit their job because they're not happy at their job. They do a lot of things out of the pursuit of happiness. Like we think as Americans, right, we have the, the right yeah. to pursue happiness. So yeah. if I could, if I could say, well, what's one thing that's an, a very American core value, it's happiness. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I had a conversation with a friend, uh, a friend of ours, like a long time ago, and this friend's no longer in our life, but, 
um, we were talking and this person was in the process of going through a very difficult time in their marriage and their relationship. And they said, man, like, I just think God wants me to be happy. And we've heard Pastor Keith say this before. Right. Uh, I've said this now myself a lot. But where in the Bible does it, says, does it say God wants you to be happy? I mean, does God want us to be happy? I, I think so. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think God wants me to be sad. No. Or like disappointed <laughs> or no. frustrated. Yeah. Um, but if I only place this high value on happiness, happiness is a feeling. Right. Right? So what I'm needing is everything in my life to make me feel a certain way. Mm. And that's kind of like, we talked about it last week again, but that's kind of like focusing a lot on uncontrollables. Yeah. Like if I, you know, me and you are both married. So if I look at my wife <laughs> uh -oh. and I say, your responsibility, yeah. right, is to make me happy, um, I kind of create an impossible situation for her because she doesn't quite know where I'm at emotionally every day. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because some days, like I'm an introverted person, you know, some days happiness is leaving me alone. Yeah. Some days happiness is us being together. Yeah. Uh, on and on. Some days happiness is eating healthy. Some days happiness is eating bad. But if I just go, hey, you should just make me happy. And I project that on all my relationships and I create that in my life. Well, I value that a lot. I can yeah. say, well, I really value being happy. Um, I create kind of an impossible situation for everybody around me that they don't really want to step into my world <laughs> because yeah. well, all, all that Josh wants is happiness and I really can't do that for him. Yeah. And all of us know, like, I can't really make you happy. Like there's so much that determines like your personal happiness yeah. in life. Right. And that's the power of core values in our life is the things that we pursue, the things that we, the things that, you know, Pastor Keith, says it this way, core values are the things that matter most to us. Mm. So if you think about, like if you're listening to this and you think to yourself, like what really, like just think about it for a second, like what matters most to you? If you could like make those things like a one word or like a phrase, mm. what matters most to you in life? A lot of people by default would say happiness. Um, people would maybe say influence. They would say wealth, uh, success, um, I don't know what other words that, that people would throw out there, but by default, we all have things in our mind that matter most to us. Do you think, with that question in mind, do you think if people, if they're listening or watching, if they sat down and asked that question, that they actually would, would think, no, well, this is what I value. I value my family. But then you look back and you're like, well, if I value my family, a lot of things that I'm doing right now actually aren't showing that I value my family. Do you feel like that may be a, another answer to that question too? Well, family's an interesting one, you know, because what does that mean? Yeah. Like, right, because if I value my family, does that mean I value time with them? Does that mean that, you know, there's a lot of men. It's like, I value my family, so I work 18 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> I never see my kids, but I value okay. my family. And yeah. really, really, that's not maybe placing, you know, there's a there's a way for us to hone in on that, but there's a difference between like valuing relationship and valuing family. Mm. Right. Um, and it's not about like parsing words like, Oh, like that's not the right word to use. Yeah. But when you say, <laughs> you know, don't say family, <laughs> say relationship. Like when you say like in your mind, you know, when you say I value family, like what does that, what does that mean to you? Well, for me, it's just, I'm thinking like I have my own set of core values that I, I did specifically for my family. Um, yeah. But before we got, uh, me and Christina, before we got engaged, we did our core values. I sat down. What and are I, they? I, I did, um, excellence is one of them. Um, that's just, for me, it's, I love what Dr. Robbie talked about. It's not just about, um, it, it's a spirit of excellence. And I feel like sometimes because it's a, it's a word that a lot of corporations use, it could be muddied down or even like a cop out of yeah. a perfection. But I, I really enjoyed what he talked about, about the spirit of excellence. So excellence is, has been one of them. Um, another one is positive growth. I wanted to, I did want to be intentional. You can't have negative growth. That's possible. Well, well, maybe. I no, mean, bad a lot things, of people grow worse over time. Well, that's, the, that was the thing right? I wanted to be, I wanted to be intentional with that because I didn't want to say health and fitness. I used to, I used to say that. I was like, oh, health and fitness is one of my core values. And it's like, yes, that's true. But I think there's other things we even talked about it a little bit um, in the last episode is like, there's a lot of things that encompass that. Uh, it's not just about your health. It's not just about your diet. It's like all these things put together. But for me, it's like, I also want to be healthy and grow positively spiritually. Yeah. 
yeah. emotionally, mentally. Okay, so then let's wrap that up into one. Positive growth is what we value That's as a awesome. family. We have generosity. Um, we have, I'm trying to think, I'm going around my little, I have, like you, I, I came up with a little, little crest. So I That's got, awesome. I got excellence, positive growth, generosity, and at the top I have a crown of thorns, uh, which represents kind of, kind of two. It's the crown portion represents the honor piece, and then the thorns is the servant. Yeah. Uh, it's just representing awesome. Jesus. So it's like, it's twofold. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's honor and then servant. It's great. So, um, yeah, I think if you're if someone's like in our world, they're they're pretty much gonna have to value honor because like we say, honor is the one thing that makes everything work. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. you know, it's the only way to stick around anyone yeah. around here is yeah. to walk in honor. Yeah, um, you know, and then and because what you do right is then you start to think about like you're talking about like po- valuing positive growth. Yeah, you and I start to think about are the things that I'm doing leading to that. Yeah, right, and that's ultimately why it's important for us to live by design and have core values by design. Because I think, and this is my opinion, we're going to have them anyway. Mm. So like whether you're an American that you say I value, I value happiness. Yeah. And I'm entitled as an American to, for the pursuit of happiness, which is true, right? Yeah. That's what the Declaration of Independence says. Awesome, right. right? So if I value happiness and that's what matters most to me, everything I do will be done in service to me being happy. Mm. Um, like on and on we could go with all these different levels of core values so how do you know like if you're listening to this how do you know you're going to be successful Mm. like how do you know that what you do is going to be the right thing to do yeah um ultimately what we should do now this isn't something that most people do but ultimately what we should do is go the only way for me to know i'm doing the right thing is if I'm doing something that aligns with my core values yeah, or with what I value most, with what matters most to me. And if we, in, if we become intentional and say, I'm going to intentionally decide what matters most to me, or like you're saying with you, Christina, with your family, this is what matters most in our family. Then we can measure everything in life based on what we can control. Yeah. If I value happiness, then what I'm doing is I'm saying that my ability to be successful is based on external circumstances. Mm. That's the hard thing about valuing happiness is happiness is a feeling. Yeah. And feelings are created most of the time by circumstances we experience. Yeah. So like if I go home today and I get a check in the mail for $10,000, man, I'm happy. That's wow. What a doesn't matter what happened at yeah. work today. Today was amazing. Met my right? core value. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I have achieved happiness. If I go home today and uh, I get a tax bill in the mail yeah. that I owe $10,000, I am not happy. No. <laughs> right? The opposite. And yeah. so a lot of our happiness is based on circumstances and situations that we experience. So what we should do is we should think about, and we talked about this last week, the power of controllables. Yeah. We should think about the things that we can control. And when, when, you know, when COVID happened in our church, I remember sitting out with like our leadership team and we were talking about, you know, you can't say anything right now. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, <laughs> get onto that, but like, really like you can't, you can't say enough that's going to oh, be man. culturally right for certain groups of people. Yep. You know, you, it's like, you're not sensitive enough to this or you're too soft on this or whatever all of these different kind of cultural topics are that we can right. discuss uh, that I'm not going to say on this podcast right now. <laughs> but if you come to our church, you're going to hear us talk about them. Yeah, so, yeah, yes, you will. So there's all kinds of cultural dynamics that, you know, as a, as, as a church, like when you are in the, let's say, serving people business, mm. you have to do things that kind of people want you want to be around your culture and want to be in your environment. At least you feel that way. Yeah. So... We weren't really sure if we were going to make it through COVID. We were saying a lot of things that were maybe unpopular to certain groups of people in Mm. our church. So we sat down as a team and we talked about how do we know we're winning? Like in life right now, if you're listening to this question for you is how do you know you're winning right now in life? How can you know that? And our default, the default place we go in our mind, and I'm just talking about personal right now. We'll get into family, but the default place we go in our mind is... Maybe if I make enough money mm. or if this other person values me 
you know, like my boss. They promote yeah. me enough. They value me enough. Uh, if my kids act right, you know, like if you got kids that are older, well, I know I'm succeeding whenever my kids aren't in detention. You yeah. know, I was the kid that was in detention every week. So if my parents based it on that, like they were not winning. Yeah. They're really great parents. I had my own decisions <laughs> to make. So most of us will think, oh, if I have enough influence, like if I have enough, you know, followers on social media or whatever, then I'll know that I'm, I'm winning in life. Mm. And if that was true, like if we could really win in life, if we did those things, then people that have 200 million followers on social media would never be depressed. Now, some of the most depressed people in society, for some reason, are celebrities. Yeah. Right? Like these people have everything that we feel like we would want. Like yep. they got yachts and mansions and you know, the people that serve them. Yeah. Everyone wants to be around them. Everyone wants to take pictures of them. And they look like they're not having a good time. No. Right? So, okay, so we can throw influence out. Yeah. Right? Um, people that are really rich, right, don't seem to be having the best go at it no. a lot of times. They got all kinds of dysfunction. They got a lot of mess in their life. There's all kinds of stuff that we see with very wealthy people yeah. that at the end of it, you know, whether it's like, these imaginary stories are real stories where people come to the end of their life. Like there's a story that I, I heard and told one time about Sam Walton, that Sam Walton was the richest man in America, mm -hmm. right? In the, uh, and I think in the eighties and he comes to the end of his life and he's on his deathbed and he's built this amazing thing called Walmart. Right. Yeah. And Sam's club and all that basically changed the, the nature of retail. Yeah. And basically says at the end of, the, of his life that he totally wasted his life. Mm. So if money was the thing that caused us to be successful, a person like that wouldn't say that, mm. right? Um, most of us, with the life that we live, we have values by default. So society says you should value this. Culture says this is what successful people experience. So yeah. successful people have a certain amount of money. Successful people have a certain level of influence. On and on I could go. Um, um, there's people that aren't successful that believe that their value is like to pursue vices. So, mm. you know, a person who's an alcoholic, like they didn't set out to become an alcoholic. Yeah. But alcohol kind of become a core value because it's like how they cope yeah. with life. And even though they know it's not good for them, at least makes them feel good for a little bit. On and on, I could go down all these different roads. Yeah. Um, but we often look at what prevailing culture use, sees as acceptable and use that as a template mm. for what we value. And so back to the question, how do you know you're winning in life right now? Yeah. If you look at culture, what ends up happening is we just do things that like seems culturally expedient. So yeah. like Lance Armstrong, right? Like I love Lance Armstrong. I, I loved watching Lance Armstrong. Like I was a you know, we were teenagers, right? When he was like winning yes. all of his stuff and yeah. like the all time greatest, like I didn't even care about, I don't care really a lot about the Tour de France now. I didn't care about it before, but man, when Lance Armstrong was in the Tour de France, it was like, I was like glued to watching every stage of the race. Did you have the, the, the oh strong? dude, yeah. Who didn't have a live strong <laughs> band? Are you kidding? I had like, like it kept, mine kept breaking. Yeah. I was like, oh, I need to get a new one. Mom, I need a new yeah. one. And there was that whole era where like, there was like 15,000 different versions of silicone bands. Like yeah. it was like all of a sudden everybody had one. Every company had one. Yep. Anyway, you know, every, every time you're on the football field, you're wearing some kind of bands. Like, yeah. I believe, or I promise or whatever. So, yeah. so Lance Armstrong, right? He, he does his whole career, whole time. He's passing these tests and he says like, I never cheat. I never cheated. And all this different stuff. Well, like right after he retires, he sits down with Oprah and he says, Hey, uh, I cheated. <laughs> I cheated my way to all these Tour de France titles. And, um, uh, it's, it's like the, just the, <clears throat> excuse me. It's just the culture of cycling. Mm. So it's just the culture of cycling that everybody cheats and he knew everyone was doping. And so the culture created his standard for goodness. This is okay. This is yeah, this is okay. Everybody's doing Everyone's this. Everyone's doing it. Yeah, so this is how we think, right? So yeah. so what was Lance Armstrong's value? I mean, I think in that season of Lance Armstrong's life, his value was winning. Yeah. So yeah. he wanted to win, and I'll do whatever it takes to win. Uh, I love what, I don't love it, but it's a good a good <laughs> example. Uh, White Sox manager, Ozzie Guillen, and he said, everybody cheats. Hmm. And he said, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't get caught, you're a smart player. And if you get caught, you're cheating. <laughs> so 
Why is that? Well, because especially in that era of, of time in like baseball, yeah, it's like everyone's on steroids, man. So if you're not on steroids, you're not even going to make the team. Yeah. So you might as well just not get caught. And then you're not cheating unless you get caught. Yeah. So this is like how culture and how society works. Like if you, if a person gets caught, uh, if an athlete gets caught doping, one of the first places that that person goes is they say, oh, everybody's doing it. I'm just yeah. doing what everyone else does. Yeah. This is like the power, and, and this is the, an interesting thought. This is the power of core values because we're not immune to that. Mm. Like I'm not immune to cheating. I'm not immune to like choosing things that culture says is, a, is, is acceptable. Yeah. All of us have ambition. Like we all want to win. We all want to succeed. We all want to have influence. We all want to make a lot of money. Um, at least I, I do. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that maybe don't. I mean, maybe. I'm, Who? I don't know. I'm down, I'm down for it 100%. The only way for us to know that we're being successful in life is if we have a true north on our compass, mm. right? Like if I say, okay, like I know that I can do this. So back to this leadership conversation that I'm having with like our leadership team. Yeah. Saying how can we know that we're succeeding as a church in spite of what we say that's maybe not popular in a moment, Yeah. in spite of uh, maybe how people are feeling about what we're saying. How can we know that we're succeeding? Well, the great thing is that as an organization, we have core values that we strive to live by. Mm. We have things that these aren't just statements that are written on our wall. In fact, at the church, they're not written anywhere on a wall. Yeah. Uh, but they're things we talk about all the time. So for us as a church, where we're at right now in this history of our church, is we have four core values. We have honor, we have servant leadership, we have uh, grit, yep. and we have growth. Yeah. And so, so what we can do as a, as a team on a, on a team here at yeah. the church is we can say, okay, how well are we operating in honor? Do we feel like we're doing a good job of that? How well are we demonstrating servant leadership? How much are we growing and developing and how much are we practicing grit? Like we're sticking to it no matter what, yeah. where the, the goal like success doesn't become this weird thing. That's just like floating just out, out there. there. Like hopefully I can be successful. Yeah. Uh, Shooting for the stars. Yeah, hopefully we can be successful. Like, because if you say even as a church, like as an organization, if we say, well, we want to be successful, does that mean having 10,000 people in our church? Does that mean yeah. bringing in a bunch of money in an offering? Does that mean doing this or doing that or achieving this or achieving that? No, for us, it's like operating according to our values every day. Mm. So I can actually know I'm winning every day because I, I wrote down a set of core values and I strive to live them every day. Yeah. So for me... Growing up, my my parents spent a lot of time with us talking about that. Mm. So those core values have become pretty much my personal core values. I've kind of interchanged one for me personally. But when we grew up in our family, Pastor Keith called them the big five. So the right. big five for us was honor, positive attitude, excellence, and generosity. And then the fifth one was self-leadership because it was like if you could do those four things well, you're a great self-leader. And uh, for me, the only thing I've changed is I've, I've kind of flipped positive attitude into humility. Like I really want to be a person that Philippians 2 says that uh, Jesus took, took on the attitude of a slave and he humbled himself. I want yeah. to be like Jesus in that regard. Now, yeah. to value humility is kind of like weird. Because if you say you're humble, you've instantly become prideful. So <laughs> you're, the, you're the most humble yeah, person. I'm the most like, <laughs> you know, Moses called himself that. Supposedly he wrote the book of Genesis and then it says... Or no, uh, yeah, I think it was Moses. Anyway, he said, now Moses was the humblest man on all the earth. Anyway. If so, he wrote it, then it's yeah, true. Yeah, uh, at least I think it was Moses. If it's Abraham, <laughs> don't judge me. We're live on a podcast right now. I don't know. I don't have it pulled up. So growing up for me as a kid, now here's the power that that held for me as a child, hmm. was no matter what kind of grade I got in school, no matter uh, what my relationships looks like, looked like with my sisters or with my parents or with my friends or whatever, uh, no matter how much influence I had or didn't have or how good of a basketball player I was or wasn't or whatever the things were that I did in life, yeah. my parents always brought it back to, like, are you walking in honor? Mm. You know, and, and honor is, we could do a whole podcast just on honor itself. If you come around our church, you're going to hear about honor a lot. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. But honor is really all about demonstrating and operating in a higher level of respect than just respecting. Yeah. It's being a person who is respectable, who behaves respectable. And we always give people respect. We always treat them with respect. At least that's how it was when I was growing up. And so we don't honor 
right? Because that person's honorable, we honor because we're honorable. So I could always determine uh, whether or not I was an honorable. Mm. Uh, positive attitude. Um, we talked about attitude a little bit last week and we'll talk about attitude in the future. But I can always determine no matter what the situation is, what my attitude is, what my response is to that yeah. situation. Yeah. Excellence, right? For us, excellence, you know, and you, you've got excellence too. So for us, excellent wasn't about being the best. It was about being your best. Yeah. So when I was yeah. a kid, um, a lot of times in school, if I got a B, that wasn't excellent. If like my sisters got a B, that was a different discussion because for them, maybe getting a B was the best they could do. Well, for the most part, unless it was math, <laughs> Pastor Keith knew that if I, if I got a B, it's because I didn't get my best. Mm. So it wasn't like, oh, this house, we only get A's, A's in this house, yeah, yeah. You know, which is what a lot of well-meaning parents do is they say, this is a house where, you know, it's like perfectionism. Yeah. It's like, where we're just, everything's going to be the right way. Everything's going to be the way I say. And that, that my parents wanted to raise individuals, not like, yes. you know, same people. Yeah. And so it was more about, do, did you do your best? So if I didn't get a good grade, or if I had a really bad basketball game or something like that growing up, my dad's conversation with me was, did you do your best? Yeah. And that's excellence. Did you do your best? And then ultimately generosity that we don't live for ourselves. We live to give, we live yeah. for other people. And, um, so to this day in my life, like not only am I raising my kids that way, but for me, no matter what the outcomes are, right? So success, a lot of times for, uh, for all of us as human beings, we can base success in outcomes. Mm. Like, did I get fired from my job or not? Did I get a promotion or not? What, how much money am I making? How much money am I making compared to this person over here? Yeah. Uh, how big is my business or whatever the outcomes are? Um, basing your life in core values means that you don't base your success on outcomes. Yeah. It means you base your success on how well you lived out a core value that day. Yeah. And maybe that is kind of an outcome, but not really. Cause I can lay my head on the pillow at night and go, okay, like how well did I practice honor today? Mm -hmm. Right. How did I humble myself? Like, did I humble myself in a certain situation? Or if I dealt with negative feedback, which I get a lot, like we all get that as people. Yeah. If I dealt with feedback, did I, did I humble myself? And was I vulnerable to that? Did I practice excellence? Did I give today my best? And was I generous today in some way? And if I can answer those questions in the affirmative, then what can happen is I can feel successful and actually be successful in every moment because I'm living by my core values. Um, so the only way to like, if you want to, if you and I, like we want to live a good life, mm. the only way to really live a good life that's not subjective, like, oh, are you a good person or not is to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to place these core values, like on the true North of my compass. And I'm going to live those things out every day. And I'm yeah. going to live according to those things. So if I value honor, right, then that means no matter what situation I find myself in. If I value that, then I'm going to bring honor to that situation, yeah. right? If I value whatever the things are that I value, um, if I value those things, then I bring those things. I don't like expect those things. Mm. So like there's a difference between saying I value honor, therefore I operate in honor mm. and saying I value happiness, therefore I expect happiness. Yeah. Right. And you can do your values however you want. Yeah. But when we put values in place, what we say is we're going to think, have an attitude and act in a way that's in accordance with these values so that we can be successful in life. Yeah. And uh, we talked about the stoic values last week. It's just about wisdom and courage, temperance and justice. Um, and, um, and so the stoics would say, OK, were we wise? Did we choose the best option over the good option? Yeah. You know, courage. Did we. Were we brave in the face of danger or fear? Did we have equanimity? And equanimity is a totally different topic. But equanimity is all about being the kind of person that's not prone to extreme emotion. Yeah. That we can control our, our attitudes in the midst of chaos or whatever it is that's happening. Temperance. Did, did, were we self-disciplined and self-controlled? And then justice. Did we do what is right and fair for others? Yeah. Um, before we did what was, what was right and fair for ourselves. And... Um, core values are the, and what we teach here and what Pastor Keith teaches is core values are the bedrock of everything that we do in life. Yeah. And there's a lot that, you know, um, 
there's a lot that can be said about core values, but I think it's a pretty simple, like straightforward approach in terms of, in terms of what these things are. Yeah. And, um, if these, if we allow these things to guide our behavior and our thoughts and our attitudes, then we, we do find ourselves, uh, successful in life. I love what, um, I think it's Socrates. Socrates said, uh, um, money. Well, let me think about it. Um, virtue. He said it this way. He said, virtue doesn't come from money, mm. but from virtue comes every good thing. So what that means to me, okay, is that if I pursue happiness, if I pursue popularity, if I yeah. pursue earthly success, if I pursue finances, whatever, then I'm not going to be a virtuous person when I pursue those things. That's what Socrates says. Gotcha. So if I pursue like the world's definition of success, I'm not living by virtue. Yeah. And I probably won't even experience those things. Mm. Right. But if I determine, then this is just kind of the way the world works. If I determine to be a, to be a virtuous person, to live by core values, then me living by core values, I not only experience good things, which is great, yeah, but good things, I create good things mm. in the rooms that I go into. So I might not go, oh, I value money, but there's almost a guarantee there in terms of if you value, if you live by core values, you create a distinctive where money flows your way. Yeah because you live by core values and you're not placing an emphasis on money, you're, but you're gonna use that money well. You're yeah. gonna use that money in service of your values. If you value um, honor, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna be the most popular person in the room, yeah. but you'll be a person that people want in the room because honor always opens the door for us. Yeah. And, um, and so there's so much, there's so much I think to that, that uh, is, um, just more and has, and there's not maybe like, I mean, they got to be biblical, right? <laughs> Ideally. Yeah. Um, but the difference between like a good or a bad core value or a right or a wrong core value is to me more rooted and grounded in uh, what that creates, what that creates in the world, what it creates in you, how that, how that drives you. And also whether or not I expect that out of the situation. Yeah. Or whether or not I create that in the situation, which I feel like that can be that could be the challenge of anyone who's listening to this and thinking, because uh, I could I could be this way, and I'm not just putting the blame on them. I could be this way of thinking. Okay, well, I know that if successful people think this way, or these are their core values, then in order for me to be successful in life with maybe finances, money, what you know, all that all that kind of stuff, that I need to value those things that they valued to then do that, and it's like. Yes, they valued those things, but more importantly, they became a certain person that enabled them to yeah. be successful. So for anyone out there that maybe needs to start doing their core values or reevaluate their core values, it's not just about finding, uh, to me, it's like all the things you're saying, it's like it's not just finding uh, the perfect formula for core values. It's just finding the person you want to become. Yeah. And finding those values yeah. or virtues well, that add up to it. Yeah, there's something great to templates, you know? I yeah. mean, there's a lot of great templates out I mean, there. I'm not saying not to use them by um, any means, but... You know, I had, a, I had a conversation with a guy recently. He's like 21, and he's like, hey, I want to have core values. And, you know, we talk about ours, our family ones a lot at the church. He's like, hey, do you think it's okay if I use your family core values? Yeah. I'm like, well, we didn't invent honor. <laughs> like honor isn't like trademarked as being mine. TM. Yeah. <laughs> copyright. Yeah. Copyright. Sorry. It's copyright infringement. If you value honor, you got to write you know that, a check. That little C. Yes. Yeah, yeah. craft. No big no. deal. Like <laughs> I didn't invent the con. We didn't, you know, pastor Keith didn't invent the concept of generosity or excellence yeah. or any of that. Yeah. So, you know, so if, if you're starting, like if you're listening to this, you're like, I want to start to have core values. Yeah. Look at a template and, and apply those. And then what I, what I feel like's happened in, in my life and what I've seen happen a lot in other people's life is as you purpose to live by those things, you kind of like, uh, you create unique distinctives anyway because of your fingerprint. Like we yeah. talk about our fingerprint a lot and 
the power of the unique identity that God's given us. And even if you're setting core values in place in your family, you know, it's being the kind of person that's like, okay, we're going to try to live by these things, but then you'll determine your own unique family identity as you go down the, the road of that. Yeah. Where, you know, once you put a core value in place, it's not like you go, okay, like now this is it forever mm. and I'm going to, you know, go get the tattoo, so to speak. It's like yeah. you put that in place and then maybe a year or two from now or five years from now, you're like, oh, I kind of like this other thing better and I think I should put that in place. And uh, my encouragement or our encouragement, there's really not like, I mean, there's a wrong way, but there's not a more right way, yeah. I would say, yeah, to have core values. It's like Clay. So my brother-in-law, Clay, Pastor Clay. I don't know. He's got like 20. He's got like all these different ones because of how he does core values. And yeah. it really works well for him. For me, I can't have like 15 different core values. I can't have 15 different sets. No. So what I decided to do was I'm just going to value what Pastor Keith put in place in my family hmm. and say, okay, like my family core values are also my personal core values. And that's what I, what I wanted to do. But even for Pastor Keith, I don't have him in front of me. I can't remember him. But his personal core values are different than like our family's core values. Oh wow! So there's a lot of different like ways to uh, have and, and implement core values in your life, and it's more about like Paul talks about, hey, like you have many teachers but few fathers. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. To get in the game, we all start by imitating. You know, whether yeah. that's your kids learning how to talk, or yeah. us learning how to have core values. What I do is I look at someone like you're saying. I go, okay, I really like that person. I feel like I want to be like that person. So I'm going to take their core values and live by them. Yeah. And then over time, you know, you create your own kind of followable excellence, as we say. Yeah. And you determine your own core values that are maybe still connected or similar to that person's, but you've now become your own like kind of sensei, you know, <laughs> yeah. where we're like, really, I mean, the goal of the goal of following a master, like if I look at someone and I go, oh, that person's a master to me and I want to be mm. mentored by them. The goal of following a master is to become a master yourself. Like that's yeah. what Jesus wants. It's like Jesus talks about discipleship and how, you know, the Great Commission says go into all the world and make disciples, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Well, the goal of that is to make disciples who make disciples. Yeah. So not like I'm going to be as good as Jesus. But I, I lead people into like this knowledge of Jesus into following him, and then they can eventually go do the same thing. Yeah. So maybe one day someone will look at me and go, oh man, that guy's like a master, right? I'm not doing it for that reason, mm. but with my kids, they're going to see me live this out, and I will represent to my kids like a person who is hopefully admirable, yeah. a person who's like a hero to them that, wow, like... My dad's done this or Courtney like, oh, man, my mom, my mom did this so I can do that. So we eventually create our own like brand, so to speak, of followable excellence. I love that. Yeah. And that's and that's ultimately what God what God wants for us. And so it's not as much about doing it a certain way, although if you like a certain way, go do it that way. Yeah. You know, it's just about being a person that's like intentionally saying, OK, I want to live these things out. And I want to live according to these things. And um, I'm going to bring as many people with me as possible. Mm. And uh, like good rules of thumb, you can look these up online, but good rules of thumb are to like have three to five just that you can remember. Yeah. I mean, you know, Pastor Clay's awesome. He does remember all this. If you go up to him and you say, hey, what are your core values? He would go down the list with you. Yeah. But like for me, it's like I remember four. So like honor, humility, excellence, and generosity, that's about what I feel like my brain can handle, Yeah, you know? And uh, I also have a tattoo, so I can't, I'm not going to change yeah, it up too like, much. Oh, cheat sheet. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that, that would be my encouragement to, to anybody who's listening to this is just, just start somewhere yeah. and there's all kinds of books out there. Pastor Keith talks about it a lot and your divine fingerprint, right? There's a whole chapter on core values. Yeah. And, um, the, the Stoics have value. I mean, wherever a person would want to start, it's yeah. like, look at a really wonderful person. Look at someone that you really look up to and say, okay, I'm going to just imitate them for a little bit. And then you kind of end up becoming your own uh, sensei yourself, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Which I, I, I think it's a, what I, the little, little side thing you said is like your own brand is like, that's, that's a great way to put it. Like yeah. the core values is like your own brand. The thing that you're putting on yourself of like, this is who I am. And People just starting out, I think it's a great place to, I mean, that's kind of where I started with your, the, with mine is like, okay, what do I, 
what am I constantly around? Well, these core values, yeah. a lot of the excellence, generosity, honor. Okay, well, even talking, talking with your, talking with your wife, talking with Christina, it's like, well, she's going to have an, some input into that. Yeah. Right. And then you're going to formulate those together. Yeah. It's like, that's maybe you have a family and I, I think it's another thing to be encouraged with if, if you have a family and it feels like it's, ah, oh, it's too late for that. I don't think it's ever too late. Uh, and that's not what we're communicating at all. It's like, it's always a great place to start now. That's the perfect time. And yeah, no, I love this. So I love this story. I love this. I like, I like old kind of like gangster stuff. So, <laughs> so like in the, you know, in the early 1900s in Chicago, like we all know the story of Al Capone. So this guy basically yeah. like ru- ru- like ruled. Yes. Chicago. I mean, like, I mean, still to this day, there's a lot of like mafia influence in Chicago, New York, places like that. Yeah. So, um, his lawyer, his lawyer in the, in the early 1900s was this guy named Easy Eddie. Yep. And Easy Eddie was like his just guy got him, always got him out of trouble. He did all kinds of like, he just knew the law legally maneuvered. So Easy Eddie didn't ever do anything that was like illegal himself. Like he didn't go bootleg. He didn't you know, sell drugs or engage in prostitution or whatever it is that uh, Al Capone and all those guys were doing. Um, but he had a really great life. He got paid a lot to uh, protect, you know, not so great people. Yeah. And um, he, at one time, he's he actually had a house in Chicago that was the size of a city block. He had that much land in the city of Chicago Damn. that he had like, you know, half an acre in the city where he had a house and then all this land around him because uh, he made so much money uh, with organized crime. So one day, uh, Easy Eddie has a son and he starts to think about, man, like I'm not doing any organized crime myself. Yeah. But uh, I should probably think about the kind of life I'm creating for my son and if my son would be proud of me, mm. like if my son could follow me. So mm. he cre- he provided a great life for his son like we talked a little bit ago about valuing family so he was present with his son he provided a great life for him but one of the things easy eddie said and realized was that he couldn't give his son a great name so like his name uh was entangled with bad stuff yeah with organized crime wow and um so he got to this place where he's like man okay i want to i want to no matter what it means i want to give my son a good name i want to create something that he's proud to, to live according to. Mm. So he testified against the mob. I mean, he's ultimately, ultimately um, one of the reasons why uh, Al Capone went to jail, not for killing anybody, Al Capone went to jail for tax evasion, right? So like, be, because Easy Eddie knew his operation that he could say, you know, all these different stuff. So he informed on all kinds of people. And uh, in 1939, so November 8th, 1939, he was, he, they killed him. So he was gunned down in a, like just in the, in an alley basically in Chicago. And um, so fast forward three years later in World War II, um, there's this guy named Commander Butch O'Hare. And, I, and this is a cool story. I love World War II history too. So one day his, he's, in, he's a, a pilot in the Pacific fleet. And one day his entire squadron was sent on a mission and uh, he gets in the air and he looks at his fuel gauge and he realizes that while his plane was on the aircraft carrier, they didn't fill it up with, with fuel. Oh, oh, <laughs> so they're all, yeah, oh, <laughs> it's shoot. like, oh man. <laughs> so all his squadron is headed to uh, go on this mission and he's got to turn back and go back to the carrier yeah, because they didn't fill it up with fuel, right? So he comes and he comes back to the, uh, comes back to the carrier fleet and realizes that there's an, an entire squadron of Japanese aircraft that are headed to these to these ships that are unprotected. Now in World War II, like now there's a lot of anti-aircraft guns that are on ships. Right. And there was kind of back then, but the number one way that ships were protected during World War II was with planes. So yeah. planes would fly, and the number one way ships were really attacked too, especially in the Pacific, was with was with planes. So it was like a lot of aerial combat that would happen. So this guy, uh, Butch O'Hare, is the the only guy. He's the only plane that's like anywhere around uh, these ships. So this dude goes, uh, just goes bananas. He starts flying around. He's shooting them. He's got 50 Damn. caliber guns on his plane. And he's shooting all these different planes. He's, he's weaving in and out of these planes and um, diving at the planes. He's trying to take the planes out with his plane with whatever gas he has left. So... Eventually, he, he, by himself, he takes enough of these planes out, scares enough of them that they all turn around and fly away. Dang. And he makes it back to the carrier. He lands on the plane. 
and um, in in planes now and in, during World War II, they had cameras inside the plane. So they they uh, pulled the pulled the film out of the out of the camera and saw that he had by himself he downed five different enemy planes, which sounds like not that many. Oh yeah, it's just one point and shoot. Like <laughs> but that. shooting down a plane is pretty hard. Yeah. So this guy took took out five five planes, and he was the the first naval aviator to win the win the Medal of Honor. Wow. A year later, when he was 29, he he died in combat. Um, but but a year, uh, well, uh, around uh, after uh, World War II, the city of Chicago loved this guy so much. They loved Butch O'Hare so much. They named the airport after him. So in Chicago, the airport is named O'Hare Airport, and uh, it's named after Butch O'Hare. And Butch O'Hare's dad was Easy Eddie, who was Al Capone's lawyer. Wow. And so, like you said, no matter like. Butch O'Hare, when his dad died, was like 26, mm. right? When his dad made a decision to say, okay, I'm going to live by like values. Yeah. And I'm going to be the right kind of man, right? His son was in his 20s. So it wasn't like his son was a little kid who didn't know him. I mean, mm. his son knew this version of Easy Eddie that was not such a great guy. Yeah. And he decided to do that for his son and paid for it with his life, which most of us won't end up doing. Like if we decide to live by core values today, like we're not going to die. Could, no, no one's going to kill us. Hopefully, no, for praise, doing that. Praise him for that. No. <laughs> but what what Butch O'Hare got was enough of his dad living by value that he ended up becoming this amazing American hero who won the Medal of Honor. And wow. to this day, the airport is named after his family, named O'Hare Airport. It's not named Butch. Butch Airport. It's yeah. named O'Hare Airport. So Easy Eddie, to go all the way back, Easy Eddie was like, I'm not going to give my son a good name. But because he made the decision that he made, he gave, wow. he gave not only his son a good name, but to this day, the airport in Chicago is named after his yeah, family, family. And, and his son Butch. And so wow. when we decide to live by values, like we may or may not become famous. We may or may not become personally successful. But we pass things down to our kids that last forever. I love that. And uh, maybe an airport will be named after me or you or whoever's listening to this. Yeah. But even more importantly than that, our kids will benefit from the life that we choose to live when we decide to be the kind of people that we know that we should be. Wow. That's your brand. You have a cool story, huh? That, that's an awesome, awesome story. And I think a great place to end this episode. Episode two of All About Core values that's the philosophy of life and this series life philosophies is oh man it's just it's been awesome i'm glad that we've been able to do this as well for the episode two and man just come back for episode three because we're going to be diving a little bit further give you some more handles more things that you can take away from we'll see you back here for the next episode thanks for listening be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on apple podcast spotify and youtube that way you know when a new episode has been uploaded also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.